So that's what it is. I have to say one more thing, though, um, that uh, there's another thing. It's such a celebratory night. There's another thing we have to celebrate, which is that while they were in some obscure part of the world, like Serbia, uh, Girish and Ishwari became engaged. Put your hands up. And, um, and so tonight, the, uh, the ice cream that will come at the end of the program is Prasad from them. <clears throat> OK. So actually, uh, the Upanishads are a great choice. You know, um, <clears throat> uh, possibly the most noble, uh, highest, most extraordinary uh, uh, scriptural texts uh, on the planet. Uh, and Baba certainly loved them and quoted them in every talk. And I always felt that uh, I never understood the Upanishads until I met Baba because I felt he spoke from the, from the position of an Upanishadic sage, always calling attention to the, the highest truth. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Radha Krishna, was, who was the first uh, president, I'm aware, first president, <laughs> I know we got some pictures. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first president of India and also uh, a scholar and translator in his own right, he said, the Upanishads are treatises on the knowledge of Brahman. I love the word Brahman. It's an amazing word. It means the absolute that which can't be expressed, that which cannot be understood by the mind because it's beyond the mind, or in our terms, consciousness itself, Brahman. <clears throat> so he says, treatises on the knowledge of Brahman, that is knowledge of the ultimate hidden reality. They assume that it is by strict a strict personal effort that one can reach the truth. In the Upanishads, Knowledge is a means to freedom, and philosophy is the pursuit of wisdom by means of a way of life. That's a lot of great things in that little statement. <clears throat> One is that philosophy is not just a head trip, not just a, a bunch of ideas that some thinker in some obscure uh, village in, in Europe is thinking, uh, but is actually a way of life, a practice a second education, a yoga, a sadhana, where you transform yourself and attain the goal. <clears throat> and the Upanishads express this practical philosophy better than any place else. Now, the Upanishads literally means sitting near devotedly. Therefore, it indicates discipleship. Upa means near. And so we have tr the traditional posture of the guru sitting with his disciples and expounding the truth. This is Sri Shankar, Sri Shankaracharya, the Adi Shankara, the founder of the Vedanta philosophy, who founded, he founded four ashrams 
uh, march in India, and these are his four main disciples sitting with him, and he's telling them, you are that. And they said, what? Could you say that again? You are that. I got the you part, now what is the rest of it? And so it went on. <clears throat> sitting, sitting near, sitting near at the feet of, sitting at the feet of, and we have more modern examples. Sitting at the feet of the Great One. Of course, he, Bhagwan Nityananda probably didn't say, you are that. Uh, but whatever he said uh, vibrated, you are that. And so, uh, is Baba there? Yeah, Baba is there. You see Baba right above Bhagwan's head and several other monastic disciples and then uh, villages. Is Bhagwan Nityananda. Next. The great sage Ramana, Ramana, the Maharishi, the Maharshi, and uh, his disciples. And Bhagwan Ramana taught basically in silence. He taught the, uh, the method of inquiry where one goes deep inside and finds the self. And then finally, one more, sitting near Baba. <coughs> Everyone wanted to sit near Baba because the vibrations of divinity were so powerful. And looking at this photograph, I think it must be from uh, Alandi because there's a bust of Yanishwar in the background. So I went with Baba to Alandi. I don't know if it was this time. Um, Alandi is uh, near Pune, <clears throat> and it's where the great sage Yanishwar lived and is buried. And Baba loved going there because he, he loved Yanushwa's writings and his poetry, and his, particularly his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. So this is sitting near, sitting near devotedly. I, I love the posture of, of sitting near uh, the great teacher who transmits not only intellectual knowledge. I went, I went to more, I went to a lot of universities a lot of classes and at all the different levels and I, uh, I tried to get classes with famous and great professors and teachers and I, sometimes I try to sit near them, sometimes I try to sit in the back of the room. Uh, <clears throat> but the vibrations were not of great uh, expansion, it was another kind of thing. But when I met Baba then I said, there's somebody that to sit at the feet of because something else was being transmitted. Another meaning of the word Upanishad is secret teaching. Um, we call it the mystery school. That this is, uh, this is a teaching that's not ordinary. People don't know it. People understand engineering school. They understand medical school. They understand law school. They understand graduate school. But they don't understand the mystery school. They don't understand a school where the highest wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is transmitted. And that's uh, the teaching of the Upanishad, is that kind of uh, wisdom. Brahma Vidya, the knowledge of Brahman. Atma Vidya, the knowledge of the self. So it's the highest thing. Uh, the Upanishads themselves are the teachings of various sages. Uh, so far back in time, we don't really know who they are except when they tell you who they are. Um, 
<clears throat> probably disciples sat down and wrote down and passed it on kind of a, an oral tradition until finally it got written and then printed. Uh, they're more about the experience than particular uh, philosophical doctrine. Uh, <clears throat> and they seem to reflect the uh, experience of the sages that wrote them. And they're very old. The oldest of them uh, goes back to perhaps uh, 100 years before the Buddha, about 600 BC. Um, and it's very likely that the Buddha, during his sadhana, studied with sages that were, uh, had studied the Upanishads uh, and during his quest for enlightenment. And the Upanishads are called the Vedanta, which means uh, the end of the Vedas. So they're part of the Vedas. They come, they're at the end of the Vedas, the wisdom part. The Vedas have several parts. One part of the Vedas, Vedas is called Shruti, which is, uh, means that which is heard, They're the highest uh, wisdom channeled from the divine. It wasn't, uh, they didn't, weren't learned in school. The, the original Vedic sages uh, received these things in meditation. So that they heard that which is heard. They heard the truth inwardly. <clears throat> and this is considered the highest authority uh, in the Hindu tradition, Shruti. And so the Upanishad, Vedas and the Upanishads are Shruti. They're the highest uh, scripture. There's also a different level of uh, scripture called Smriti, which is that which is remembered. So it's not quite at that level. There are a lot of stories, the Puranas and so on. <clears throat> but Shruti is the highest. Um, and uh, the, the Vedas have this part, which is called the, the Jnana Khanda, which is the path, the part of wisdom. And then a lot of the Vedas is involved in Karma Khanda, which is how to do a, how to do a, a, a yagna, how to recite mantras, the right mantras, and how to conduct a ceremony, ritualism, in other words. But then at the end of it, the highest teaching was this wisdom tradition, which is the Upanishads. <clears throat> um, there are, the scholars tell us there are 108 recognized Upanishads, but probably many more than that that have been lost or haven't emerged yet. And Shankaracharya cited 10. You'll find books called the 10 Principal Upanishads. These are the 10 that are uh, he designated, and he's so authoritative that whatever he said, <clears throat> it's just sort of like Donald Trump, whatever he says is law. And so what the, he said, he designated these 10. Um, <clears throat> one of the oldest ones, which I, I looked at in the past, a while back, the Brihadiranyaka uh, and the Chandogya from about 7th century uh, BC, 7th, 6th. Uh, and then there's about 10 others. And tonight, I'm looking at the Shvetasvatara. Upanishad. You don't have to pronounce it. <clears throat> it's an interesting Upanishad. Um, some of these Upanishads are 
long, some are short, some are filled with stories, some with just a few teachings. Uh, they're quite varied, but they all agree on their focus, which is the nature of the Absolute, Brahman, and <clears throat> its relationship to us, to the individual soul. What is the relationship with God, or the Absolute, and an individual person? And that's a very profound question. I'm sure you ask yourself that question on a daily basis, right? Anyway, and the Upanishads say that Brahman, the Absolute, is everywhere and in all things. Uh, it's the, uh, all the, the cause of the whole universe, the material, the efficient, formal, and final cause of everything. It's, it's, it's the, everything is made of Brahman, everything is created by Brahman, and everything is moving towards Brahman. You like that? I find that very encouraging. Because often we feel very far from Brahman, <clears throat> very far away. Uh, and so that everything in this world is a limited expression of Brahman. And so it means that if we, if we go deep enough into our present experience, even though we might be suffering terribly, full of sorrow, full of fear, full of anger, full of frustration, if we can find a way to go deep enough, we get to Brahman, because Brahman is the fundamental reality, which I find to be incredibly encouraging. And in my years with Baba, I would often be burning in one thing or another, but I always had that knowledge. I said, okay, this is my mind talking to me. Somewhere deep within me, there is this experience. So let's... Uh, get on it and try to find that experience. And what did Baba tell me? He said, say the mantra. Okay, I'll try that. He said, meditate on the self. Okay, I'll try that. But sometimes I'd be so overwhelmed by all those bad feelings, I'd say, hell no, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to complain to myself. I want to whinge and feel sorry for myself. I have a right to do that. And so they would go in, but that never helped. And finally, I'd wake up one day and I'd say, you know, you're burning, you're miserable, it's your own damn fault, so get off it. And eventually I would. Usually when I was sitting near Baba, it helped. <clears throat> so the Upanishads, I say, are amazingly elevated texts, and they've had a big impact in the West. Uh, uh, the early Sanskrit scholars started translating Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads, and by the 19th century, some of the great Western thinkers had come across them. Uh, and so uh, philosophers like uh, Schopenhauer and others had, uh, had uh, studied this. <clears throat> and the American, uh, American transcendentalists had studied these, these texts and started to understand about Brahman, about the higher. Uh, the German scholar Max Muller wrote, <clears throat> the keynote of the main Upanishads is know thyself in the sense of the eternal self, the one self, the true self which underlies the whole world. 
Every day we should think that sentence. Know thyself in the sense of the eternal self, not your personal self. There's certain, there's a, you know, we, we love novels and movies of self-discovery. Um, what do they call it? Coming of age and all that, where we know ourselves <clears throat> relatively, like we know what profession we should go into or uh, who we should be with or what our sexual orientation is or something like that. But there's a much more profound level of self-knowledge that's possible and even essential for each of us in the journey of our souls. It might not be in this life, but in some future life. But it's to know ourselves as Brahman, as the truth. And that's the journey of the Upanishads. So here we go, a little bit of Svetasvatara Upanishads. A little goes a long way. <clears throat> Just take a little bit of it. You get a lot. It begins, it says, oh, by the way, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think we have any uh, uh, Upan uh, the Upanishads by Prabhavananda. Prabhavananda. Do we have, who knows what's in, uh, we're, not, we're out of it? That's, I recommend that text. Uh, Prabhavananda was a, a disciple of one of Ramakrishna's great disciples, Brahmananda. His disciple was Prabhavananda, who, who uh, opened an ashram in L.A., of course. <clears throat> and he was surrounded by many great Western writers and intellectuals, Christopher Isherwood, um, uh, uh, Gerald Hurd, and uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the famous one? I've forgotten the most famous one. <clears throat> the, the Doors of Perception, Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley. But anyway, he, uh, with their help, he translated the Upanishads in a very user-friendly form and very easy to read. So get that. Get Gita can order it. What? Gita can order it. We're going to order it. Gita will order it? Or, or uh, Vidya will order it, or someone will order it. Do what we can. <clears throat> it's good. So this won't make the scholars. If, if you're a Sanskritist and a scholar, you'll probably want a different edition. But uh, for our purposes, as uh, spiritual seekers, yes, this is great. So it begins... Om, with our ears may we hear only good things. With our eyes only behold auspicious sights. Peaceful in body, may your devotees find rest. Speaking to God. Om, shanti, shanti, shanti. Hail to the Supreme Self. And then it begins, yogis inquire within themselves. What is the cause of this universe? Is it Brahman? Where do we come from? Why do we live? Where shall we at last find rest? Under whose command are we? Under whose command are we bound by the law of happiness and its opposite? This was thrilling to me because these were questions that were coming up, not quite in that form, but in some form. Uh, for me, you know, I thought, None of, none of the 
disciplines and teachings that I was getting address these questions. The fundamental question is, who am I? What is life for? What gives meaning to life? All those, the graduate schools and professional schools, they addressed many things, but they didn't address that issue. And here's the Upanishad going right for that. What is the fundamentals of our existence? What is this about? It should really be the first questions we ask before we decide on some other thing. <clears throat> but it's not. It goes on. Time, space, law, chance, matter, energy, the mind. None of these, nor a combination of these, can be the final cause of the universe. For they also are effects and exist to serve the soul. Nor can the individual self be the cause for being subject to the law of happiness and misery, it is not free. Because the human being is not free. It's at the mercy of circumstances, the mercy of other people, the mercy of accidents, and, and not in control of that. There must be something higher than that. It goes on. The seers absorbed in contemplation saw within themselves the ultimate reality, the self-luminous being, the one God who dwells as the self-conscious power in all creatures. He is one without a second. Deep within all beings he dwells, hidden from sight. Hidden from sight by the coverings of the gunas, sattva, Rajas and Tamas, it means hidden from sight by the material world. <clears throat> the vibrations of the material, which are very in your face. The world is very much in your face. Probably now more than ever, now that there's TV and the internet, it's so in your face. And so every, the, the ultimate reality is hidden by this, this cacophony of sounds. But there's a deeper reality. It says, he presides over time, space, and all apparent causes. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. You agree? <laughs> this vast universe is a wheel. This is a very important metaphor. The, the scholars say that this, uh, this is the first use of this metaphor of the wheel uh, to represent birth, death, and rebirth. The wheel of karma. The wheel of rebirth. Life has a an endlessly repeating wheel. He says, this vast universe is a wheel. Upon it all are all creatures that are subject to birth, death, and rebirth. Round and round it turns and never stops. It is the wheel of Brahman. As long as the individual self thinks it is separate from Brahman, it revolves upon the wheel in bondage to the laws of birth, death, and rebirth. But when through the grace of Brahman, grace of Brahman, whatever brought us here, how did that awakening start to happen? And then we come to the feet of the guru and the awakening really takes off through Shaktipat. But what is it that awakens us to being interested in this aspect of life, this quest? That's the grace of Brahman. Through the grace of Brahman, it realizes its identity with him. It revolves 
then it revolves upon the wheel no longer. When we discover who we really are, we get off that wheel. <clears throat> it achieves immortality. He who, he who is realized by transcending the world of cause and effect in deep contemplation is expressly declared by the scriptures to be the Supreme Brahman. That's really <clears throat> indicating a possibility that for a Westerner sitting and reading the Upanishad in some library somewhere, it seems very fanciful, academic, perhaps even uh, superstitious. But when you, when you actually come to the feet of a master who is who imbibes and embodies that, that teaching, it becomes alive for you. And that was my experience when I came to Baba's feet, that these things all suddenly took off, and I saw that this is reality. It wasn't just something in my uh, Religion 101 course. This was it. <clears throat> it says, he says, here's the substance, all else is the shadow. It was the real reality. The thing we took as reality were the shadow. That was the unreality. That was the falseness. This thing is the reality. He is the imperishable. The knowers of Brahman know him as the one reality behind all that appears. For this reason, they're devoted to him. Absorbed in him, they attain freedom from the wheel of birth, death, and rebirth. Now, Shaivism calls it Shiva, uh, and we're calling it Brahman. It's the same thing, the one universal consciousness. It goes on, the Lord supports this universe, which is made up of the perishable and the imperishable, the manifest and the unmanifest. So everything, the whole thing, that which passes away and that which is eternal. And that which is uh, uh, that we see, and then the hidden. So much is hidden. Past times are hidden. Future times are hidden. The depths of our psyches are hidden. The deep self is hidden, and yet completely real. <clears throat> it says, the individual soul, forgetful of the Lord, attaches itself to pleasure and thus is bound. There's an exception if Carlton wins. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and Collingwood. <clears throat> if it's Carlton versus Collingwood in the finals, we'll have to close the ashram for a month. I don't know what we're going to do going to be a problem. Brahman will emerge from that. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> when it remembers the Lord, it is freed from all its fetters. That's one section. <clears throat> I'll do, I think I'll do one more. It took much longer time than I thought. These are the, uh, I, I should say, well, what is the date? It's one of the later Upanishads. Give me the, uh, the early. Is that the front one? 
that consciousness. I am Brahman. And see what happens when you do that. Okay. Did you get a little buzz on from that? How many got a little buzz on, one way or another? That buzz is very important. Important buzz. <clears throat> if you didn't get a buzz, work on it. You see, Devi Ma. <clears throat> Goes on. No God and all fetters will be loosed. The solution to everything is not medicine and not doctors and not money and all that stuff. It's to know God, to know Brahman. Ignorance will vanish. Birth, death, and rebirth will be no more. Meditate upon him and transcend physical consciousness. Thus will you reach union with the Lord of the universe. Thus will you become identified with him who is one without a second. In him all your desires will find fulfillment. So Baba every day, every, every talk called upon, he said, meditate on the self, honor the self, know the self, worship the self. And he kept saying, meditate on the self. That was his message. He said, in other words, know this higher principle. Go about your business, be in the world, do this, do that, everything practical. Baba was very practical. He said, take care of your money, take care of your family, take care of your health, do everything. But also spend some time where you focus on the absolute. Don't make that absent from your life. Bring that into your life. And bring it in in meditation and bring it into your whole of your life. <clears throat> he says, the truth is that you're, you are always united with the Lord. But you must know this. We feel... Oh, you know, we feel I'm depressed, no one loves me, I'm, you know, this and that, I'm blah, blah. It's all because we don't know who we really are. We don't, we haven't made the connection with that part of ourselves. He says, you must know this. Nothing further is there to know. Meditate and you will realize that mind, matter, and maya <clears throat> are the one reality. That there's only one, and that is that. This is sadhana, is to bring all these things into oneness. He says, fire, though present in fire sticks, is not perceived until one stick is rubbed against another. I always thought it was very quaint. So, you know, you rub two sticks together. The Brahmins do that at the beginning of a yajna. And then fire comes out. So the Hindu mind says, that means fire was contained in those sticks. I never thought of it that way, but you know, it must be true. <clears throat> um, he says, the self, the self is like that fire. It is realized in the body by meditation on the sacred syllable Om, which means the mantra. Baba always said Om is the most important uh, part of the mantra. Om means Brahman, the absolute. So you have two sticks and you look at the two sticks forever, you never get a fire. You have to rub them together. 
So you have a mantra and you, if you never say it, you never meditate, you never get that fire. So you have to do the, the practice of saying. He says, by repetition and contemplation of the sacred syllable, Om, you will realize God who is hidden in the body as fire is hidden within wood. So it's, this divinity is hidden inside you. I love that. To be discovered. That's what all the sages say. They all agree on that. He says, like oil in sesame seeds, butter in cream, water in the riverbed, fire in tinder, the self dwells within the soul. So all these things exist, but hidden. Realize him through truthfulness and meditation. Like butter and cream is the self in everything. Knowledge of the self is gained through meditation. The self is Brahman. By Brahman, all ignorance is destroyed. Something hidden and yet real. And that is the self. So these are the Upanishads. There's a lot more. I could probably do six lectures on this. Shatasvatara Upanishad. Do you like it, David? Yeah, I love it. Mm. What do you like about it? It's noble. Noble, yeah. Speaks to higher. Yeah, couldn't get higher than that. <laughs> Talks about the eternal. Yeah, couldn't do better than that. What more could we ask for? No, it's very uplifting. And it's hortatory. <laughs> yeah. It, by hortatory, hortatory, of course, you know, it can mean anything you want it to mean. <laughs> but especially, most people think it means it urges you to know the self. It urges you to do something. And so what the Upanishads say is they urge you, they say, come on, dude. Come on, dudess. Come on, you sleeping person. Lazy person, caught up, busy person, come on, stop it, get to it, don't waste time, life is too short. I've just been living a short time already, 80 years old, can you believe it? Life just goes by you. So get on it and know yourself, know yourself, knowing that doesn't matter how old you are. Only when you try to walk. <laughs> you try to what? What did she say? Try to? Only when you try to walk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> so on the occasion of Davy Ma's birthday, let's meditate for 10 minutes. And I'm very glad you asked me to talk about the Upanishads. They're too noble for us to... <laughs> yeah. They're nothing more beautiful than that. And, and Baba, Baba struck more than any sage. He struck the note of the Upanishads. If you listen to his talks, it sounded like the Upanishads had come alive and were speaking. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. So what do we meditate? We meditate on Brahman, on the Absolute, on consciousness itself, 
I like to think of it as consciousness itself. I am a conscious being. And my consciousness gets caught up in my personal self. But it is also consciousness itself. So what is that consciousness? Meditate on that. And you can take the use of Om, or as we say, Om Namah Shivaya. Om Namah Shivaya. Mantra that helps us connect to that self. So let's meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, uh, with great love, uh, I welcome you all with all my heart. Sakunat Maharaj Kijay. Let's meditate.